not a secret. We have a God who created the world. He's the God whom we've come to worship this morning. And I trust that he has been pleased with our worship this morning. I don't know about you, but boy, I got excited listening to those songs that the uh, instruments played this morning and the choir sang and you sang this morning. In fact, I was thinking to myself, 
Boy, this would be one of those songs that I'd love to have the choir come back tonight and sing it again. Amen to that? How many think that'd be worth coming back to hear again? Amen? And then what God can do. Boy, I tell you what, don't ever forget what God can do. The devil wants to make him small. And the voices that are out there are crying out so loud, oftentimes in the wrong direction. But we have a God who's greater than all, and we get to worship him this morning. Amen and amen. Well, turning your books to Matthew, Bibles, to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, one verse in that Sermon on the Mount. And uh, for you that are new here this morning, thank you for coming. Boy, what a blessing, just two months into our new building. And uh, Ernie, I tell you what, I know it takes all the energy you can to get up there, but wasn't that a blessed service this morning? It really is. It really was. And uh, I trust that now the Word of God will reach into our hearts. Uh, how many have heard of the golden rule? Can I see your hand? All right, probably everybody has. It's found here. In the Sermon on the Mount, this is uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is preached in the second year of Jesus' ministry. It is also found in Luke, and we will be turning there to Luke chapter 6 as well, and reading uh, more in its entirety, uh, some aspects there. One of the things that we need to understand is that uh, you might consider Jesus a revolutionary person in that the Roman government had taken the world in a direction, concepts and philosophy. The Jews and the religious leaders had also taken it into a direction and oftentimes in the wrong direction. Got into more legalism and more about uh, uh, making sure they looked good in front of others. May I say that when Jesus preached this message, he put them on their heels. As he goes in, he talks more about what the heart is. And if I could maybe just give you a precursor here this morning, is maybe we should call it the golden rule, but the gold that rules. Would that be a better way to describe it? So maybe write that down. That's the first uh, that I thought of this morning, is the gold that rules. Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning. I pray that your spirit, your word, would just come into our hearts, challenge us, and change us. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just like almost everyone, if not everyone, in this room had heard of the Golden Rules, it is in every religion, basically. Uh, it is talked about in people that don't come to church or do come to church. In fact, there are many people who think that they're going to get to heaven if they follow the golden rule. Let me tell you, the Sermon on the Mount and the things that we're going to talk about is not what gets you into heaven. Make that very, very clear. Only Jesus Christ can get us into heaven. Amen? We can be as moral and righteous and religious as we can be, but it'll never be the righteousness of God which needs to be put into our lives when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And he takes the old garments of filth and putrefying sin. And not only sin, but our own righteousness he takes and says, you know what? That's all worthless. 
let me put into you the real gold. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, then you and I can live the golden rule according to the intent of that golden rule. Because God transforms our lives to live for him. Now here in verse 12, it says, therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you need to go back. And I thought, well, this must be the first therefore in the Sermon on the Mount. No, it's not. There's several therefores in the Bible. But the last therefore goes back to chapter 6 and verse 34, where he says, therefore, take no thought. When he talks about worry and anxiety. Then he goes into chapter 7, and now this is the, actually the very first therefore. And I believe that there is a summation of the first 11 verses that he's bringing out, and so we don't ever want to take verses out of context. And so he talks about, about judging and not judging. He talks about uh, the idea of that mote in the beam, and we spent a lot of time on that. And then last week, I believe it was, we went into the, the prayers there, asking, seeking, and knocking. And those things that are recorded in 7 uh, through 11, and how our Father wants to hear our petitions before Him. And then He goes on to this. And so, in context, talking about this aspect of uh, judging and, and those things, He says, therefore, <laughs> all things, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them? For this is the law and the prophets. Basically, that last statement there, he says, this is all that is in the law and the prophets. He says, if you wanted to sum up the entire Old Testament, he says, all that fits into this and, of course, we know when Jesus came when question about what is the greatest commandment, he says, the greatest commandment is to what? Love God. And the second is like unto it is to what? Love others. And all these things hang this. And that's quite fascinating. I'll say a little bit more about this as we read this. Uh, it, he doesn't say, do to others before they can do it to you. Ah, uh, you know, we laugh. But may God bring us under conviction. I mean, really, the whole purpose of today is to change our hearts. Every one of us, including this preacher, every one of us ought to be brought under conviction because how well do we do with this golden rule? Uh, do to others what they have done to me. That's kind of the revenge attitude, isn't it? Or do to others what you would want them to do to you. Now I say that kind of cautiously. Because as you look at this, it's not necessarily what you would like people to do to you that he's really addressing. Though that is the concept of why we do things to others. He's not saying, <clears throat> he says, don't do what you want uh, avoided in your life, so avoid doing it to others. He, he's not giving it. Let me, let me read it this way. 
selfless love. Did you hear what I just said? Selfless love, which is agape, does not serve in order to prevent its own uh, whatever. Can you read my own writing? Isn't that awful? I got new glasses. Oh, there it is. Might have to go back and get these glasses changed, I'm afraid. Of course, if you looked at this writing, Brother Turner, you'd say, good night. I, we got a letter from Etico. Where's Etico? Is she here this morning? Etico, is she not in here? She has the most beautiful handwriting I have ever seen in my life. I can't believe it. It is unbelievable. I have to take some lessons. I don't know if it's any good now. But selfless love does not serve. I'm not sure what, when you said amen there. Uh, right? <laughs> selfless love does not serve in order to prevent its own harm. Or to ensure its own welfare. Serve as it would want to be served, whether or not that ever happens. Does that make sense? All right, we see that in the scriptures. And so in this context, what we want to do is we want to look at what uh, does it look like, this golden rule, what it does not look like, and why don't we do it, and then how can I make it a reality? Well, that is something that I would really like to gain ownership of. How can I make this really happen in my life? Well, understanding it is very important. So as we look at it here, let me read it again. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do that even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now I want you to turn over, if you would, to Luke Gospel chapter 6. You're going to find that this is the other place that this golden rule is found in the scriptures. It is actually a portion of Luke that he gives the Sermon on the Mount in a different way. And in fact, in Matthew's account, there are three chapters, 111 verses, and in Luke's account, the Sermon on the Mount is basically in 30 verses. What took 15 minutes, basically, in Matthew's account, only would take maybe four minutes in Luke's account. You say, well, why is that? You need to understand that Matthew was addressing the Jews. He put things in there that would be particular to the Jews. Luke's account is primarily to the Greeks. You no, know, all scripture is for everybody. Isn't that right? I mean, we can gain ownership of it all. But he's writing actually to a Roman official and to the Gentile population and to us. And uh, maybe... Uh, uh, it doesn't have to be quite as embellished as to the Jews, though in Matthew's account there was a lot of references back to the Old Testament, where in Luke's account there's not as many references. doesn't mean that there isn't some, but it's not as many. And so as we begin reading here in verse 20, I want you to see the Sermon on the Mount in, uh, as recorded in Luke chapter 6. And he lifted up his eyes and his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, and yours is the kingdom of God. And you know these beatitudes. Blessed are those that are hunger, they'll be filled. Blessed are they that weep, 
They'll laugh, blessed are ye, when men shall hate you <laughs> and separate from you and their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. These things are written a little bit different than Matthew's account. Uh, Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Understand that. It's not about getting our rewards here. If you want your rewards here, you'll get them or could get them. But God has rewards in heaven for those that have the right spirit, the right attitude, faithfulness, and all those kinds of things. Know Jesus Christ as their Savior. For in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, ye shall be hungry. Woe to you that laugh now, and you'll mourn and weep later. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you, and unto the mighty on the one cheek, offer him the other, and take away thy cloak, forbid it not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not. Again, now verse 31. Verse 31 is that golden rule. And as you know, or excuse me, and, and as you would, that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Okay? There's something missing here. What's missing here? Alright, it doesn't say here that this is the fulfillment of all the laws and the prophecies. Alright? It doesn't say that here because as he's writing to a Gentile group, that wouldn't be as pointed as it would be to the Jews because the Jews were basing their righteousness on law and on the prophets. You know, as I think of this in Matthew, going back to Matthew, where it says laws and the prophets, you think, do unto others as you'd want done to yourself. And he says, like the laws and the prophets, many people would think, boy, those laws and the prophets, that doesn't sound like a golden rule. But when you think about it, is it? When it says don't kill, would you want someone to kill you? You see what I'm saying? Uh, don't steal. Would you want someone to steal from you? You see, so, yeah, the law is there showing what's the right direction, and at bottom line, it makes sense. You wouldn't want these things done to you, so don't go out there and do it to somebody else. How about gossip? Would you want someone to gossip about you? How many want somebody to gossip about you? Well, you read this over, and he says, well, when all men speak well of you, it's not so good, but... Well, do we want to gossip about somebody else, yes or no? no. And you, so what you go into is you go into the heart and the spirit. And you think about it, he says, not only the laws of the prophets, but you think about the prophets. How many think the prophets were a popular group of people? They came and they said, hey, I got something to tell you. God doesn't like what you're doing. How does that fit the golden rule? Let me ask you. Would you rather have a preacher that lies to you or tells you the truth? When you raised your children, did you tell them the truth or did you lie to them? You know, we're living in a society today that says, you know, let's just tell us what good things are happening and all. 
There are things that need to be changed in our lives. Don't you agree how important it is for us to change those things? Amen and amen. I, I tell you, I, 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 sometimes we, we, we come across situations where lives need to be changed, and people are afraid to go and help them change it. I don't think they understand the golden rule. The golden rule is to go and help them make changes so that they can bring glory to the Lord. Why wouldn't we want that? How about telling people about Jesus Christ as your Savior? Wouldn't you agree? Aren't you glad someone told you about Jesus Christ as your Savior? So the golden rule fits all these things, all of our actions, all of our accountability to other folks. To share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. That, by the way, is our theme this year, engaging souls. For the kingdom, I believe you probably saw that on the front of your bulletin. Is it on the front of your bulletin? Or this morning, our new banner? I didn't look at the front of the bulletin. There's nothing on the front of the bulletin. That doesn't fit there. I guess we took the, the banner off there and everything. Uh, how important it is. How important it is. And so, as you get into this, and as he keeps on reading in verse 32, he says, For if you love them which love you... What thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. In other words, that idea of the golden rule, well, if, I, if I scratch your back, you scratch my back. He's saying you scratch people's back and you don't intend to have them scratch your back back. Scratch back? Okay. <laughs> and if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive... What thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Boy, he gives that again here. And do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. Do you believe that this morning? Say amen. God says your reward shall be great. Now catch this. Be careful what that next phrase is. And ye shall be the children of the highest. Be careful. Is he saying that if we go out and do these things, that will make us children of the highest? Well, some people reading it could think so. But that's not what he's saying. Because the Bible says the only way you can become the child of the highest is to be born again. Amen to that? Not of corruptible seed, but of Jesus Christ. So this is not the agent. Can, can you hear me there? This is not the agent of which you come to become a child of the Lord. There's so many people that are that way. You ask people in America... And they say, I'm going to heaven. Well, how do you know you're going there? Well, I follow this golden rule, or I do good to my neighbors. I do these types of things. Listen, doing good is not the agent to get you saved. It is the outcome of being saved. Does that make sense? It's the outcome. And I'm going to show you in context as we continue to read here, and you're going to see that over and go over reiterated here. So to be acting like your father is the idea here is you're going to actually start uh, reflecting Him and bringing Him glory because now we uh, are, are, are living like our Father. 
he uh, says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, For you are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, which we've been studying on Wednesday nights of being led of the Spirit, he says that as men, we are led by the Spirit. These are the sons of God. In other words, now that I've been saved, I have the ability to be led by the Spirit. So that's, be careful as we read these things and people get off doctrine on those things. It says, talking about the Father, He's kind unto the thankful and to the evil. Guess what? That's me. God is kind to me. God came and saw who I was and saved me in spite of who I am. And he says, now for us to reflect our Father, we need to do others. Do others. Well, they don't deserve it. How many here deserve heaven? None of us. Jesus Christ has made us worthy. Praise the Lord for that. So you see that in context there? All right, then he says, now, now catch this. He says, be therefore what? Merciful. You see, as your Father also is merciful. Mercy is the idea of not giving to people what they deserve. Wouldn't it be much better if we started thinking like God? when we deal with our affairs in our life rather than thinking like man. Then he, he starts a new paragraph. Verse 37 is a new paragraph in the Greek language and it goes all the way down to verse 49 uh, at the end of the chapter. He says, Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Now, how many have heard that verse before? Oftentimes, we use that verse, or will use that verse, in reference to the offering. Do you notice in context that it's not about the offering? How many notice that? He's talking about here, he says, don't go out there and judge. Go out there and forgive. Be merciful. Care for people. He says, as you demonstrate godliness to others, those things will come up to you, come back to you in such proportions. Maybe not always from people, but God sees all the things that go on. I might be kind to, to Bonnie here, and she might not be kind to me back. Wouldn't that be awful? I, hey, I'll tell you what happens often, what happens in church, is people come into church or in families or whatever, and they say, oh, 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 I don't want to sit next to you. I'm not picking on you, buddy. I'll pick on Blaine here. He's falling asleep on me. I better wake him back up. Oh, oh, I don't want to sit next to Blaine. I don't want to ride in a car with somebody. I'm going to tell you something. How common, how 
how evil it is, us who have been forgiven of so much, not to forgive our brothers and sisters. Do you have any off with anybody? If you have off with anybody, you need to get it right. God tells us that if we come to the altar and we realize that we have off with our brothers, go take care of it before we offer our sacrifices. Can I just can I just say this? How many like people to be mad at you? Anybody here? Well, like the devil would be mad at me, that's for sure, but people? I don't go out there necessarily to win a popularity contest, but I don't want people to be mad. I don't want to be mad at anybody else. Does that make sense? You know, so often we, we get so caught up in ourselves, we fail to realize what we're doing to other people. I can't imagine a born-again believer having ought with his brother, having heard what I just said, and say, I'm not going to get that right. That means you'd rather live in disobedience than obedience to God. Right or wrong? By the way, what I just did, did I just give you the golden rule? See what I'm saying? Now, I know there are many things in my life that I do wrong, and, and sometimes I'll repeat them, and sometimes I'll get irritated, and I'll get upset. Sometimes you can come to a place where you don't even recognize it because it's become such a part in our lives. I want to encourage you on this. You know, what helps us in this golden rule is what's called the dominion factor. Do you know what I mean by the dominion factor? The dominion factor, if somebody does something to me and it hurts me, I need to use that not to go and hurt them back, but to allow that hurt to come into my soul such that I realize I don't want to do it to somebody else. We, we tell our children that when it comes to bullying at school. Boy, you come home and someone bullies you at school. You say, Johnny, you know, that, that hurts, doesn't it? And you know, God puts something inside of you that says, you know what? You feel that hurt is real. You don't want to go out and do it to somebody else. Boy, wait. By the way, this would be a good rule for husbands and wives, wouldn't it? Good rule in the church. How about a good work at your workplace? Every place that we go, it's a good rule because it's God's rule. It's what God wants us to do. Not to bring harm. Not to hurt. Sometimes that dominion factor, we don't recognize it as that's what's going on, and all we do is sense the hurt and focus on the hurt, rather than how that hurt can help us to be better. Let me give this as an illustration. I, my wife actually came up with this illustration and was sharing with someone. Someone says, well, you know, Westside, the, the new building just doesn't feel like home. Have you ever heard that here? Well, this is an echo house. But this is where God was. Wow, that's what God does. Well, it just doesn't feel like home. And this is what happens. I want it to feel like home. My wife said this to one person, and she said, uh, she says, you know what? That's the dominion factor. Boy, it hurts. But you can take that hurt and you can understand. When a family comes into church, like the Sherman family right here, this is their first time at Westside Baptist Church. 
And maybe it doesn't feel like, oh, man, man, that preacher really strange. I wish he hadn't picked that up. There's a whole bunch of other visitors here this morning. But then I can understand it doesn't maybe feel like home or a stranger or a pilgrim. And I know how that feels. I'm going to go and I'm going to help them to feel right at home here at Westside Baptist Church. And I'm going to go out of my way to help folks feel right at home at Westside Baptist Church. And oh, man, Tim, right? Tim, it's good to have you. Scott, is that right, Scott? Great to have you. Hey, and and, and uh, Norm, oh, it's good to have you. Norm's been without his wife for a long time. But no, what happened is what we do is we feel and focus on our own selves rather than how we can go and be a comfort for someone else. Does that make sense? That is what hinders us. What hinders us from the golden rule it is selfishness. How many think you're selfish? Can I raise, can you raise your hand? We are, to some degree. The more I realize how selfish I am, the more my heart breaks. Oh, so this give and it shall be given unto you is talking about these good aspects of kindness and everything. That doesn't mean we shouldn't give financially. Amen to that. In fact, I feel sorry for those who do not believe their God is big enough to take care of them in giving at least the minimal of what was required in the Old Testament called the tithe. But in reality, that's not what's being brought out here. I do believe in the law of the harvest, though. How about you? How many of us have seen God just so richly bless our lives? Oh, my. We have a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Amen to that? All right, well, that's what it looks like, and I'm hoping that this goes into our thoughts and deeds. Do you want people to think evil of you? then don't think evil of somebody else. Uh, go out there in deeds and speech and, 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 and kindness and encouragement. And go out there and look for how we can help other folks on the journey. Let me tell you this. It doesn't look like this. Well, I went out there. I shook five hands. The preacher told me to shake five hands. I shook five hands. I'm done. That's not. It's not limits. Well, Mom told me to take out the trash, and I've done that. Can I just say this? You know, when he gets into there about killing, he talks about that in Matthew's account, chapter 5, he says that if you have anger in your heart, you've committed murder. See, some people say, well, I haven't ever slept with another woman. Praise God. Can I just say that? Praise God. Can I encourage all of our young people to keep themselves pure until God brings that right person and after the vows of marriage to enter into then the intimate relationship in the order of which it was intended to be entered? Well, I can't say that enough. Don't hurt somebody else. Say, well, I want my pleasure. Then you hurt somebody else. That's not love, by the way, either. God says that if you look upon a woman and lust after you, you have committed adultery in your heart. Yeah, I took out the trash and I did this and I did that. You know, that's limits. The Bible says 
children, obey your parents in the Lord. And it talks about honoring them. Can you imagine the spirit of honor, the spirit of love, the spirit of giving, the spirit of forgiveness? How that would transform the world that we're living in today? Well, if God has transformed your life, you have the capability of doing these things. It's not legalism. Well, <laughs> my ox's neighbor fell in the ditch. I need to get that ox out of that ditch, take it over to my neighbor. I'm done with my responsibility. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? Y'all know that story? Boy, there's so many stories. How about God sending his son to this world? How about Romans 5 eight? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. To go those extra miles and to, to, to not be limit or become legalist or to fulfill my responsibility. You know, oftentimes even ministry can miss the golden rule. Did you hear what I just said? I can get so caught up in my ministry and making sure I get it down and making sure I handle things properly that I miss what it's all about. What is it all about? It's about people sharing our love with people. And so I've already said, why doesn't it happen? Well, that dominion factor turns internal rather than external. We become self-centered, self-satisfaction, self-protecting, self-concerned, first in line, first in the parking spot. Do you know how many things first we have? In fact, we just heard America first. I would love to hear, hear him say, God first, amen to that. I know. Maybe that's asking a little bit too much. But isn't that what it's supposed to be? God first. Listen to this. I wrote this down. I'm entitled to have more. Well, if you have more, I'll have less. Do you think that either side of those is a good principle to follow? No. No. It's not about us. In fact, to become selfless, listen to me, you all know this definition, right? Become selfless means to be thinking on yourself less. That make sense? I mean, uh, let's say it together. Thinking on yourself less. That's what selflessness is supposed to be. It's not what can I do. Maybe I'll get a promotion. Maybe I'll get that parking space. Maybe I'll run that lady over. Or maybe I'll get what I want. Boy, you hear this word change. God changed me. God changed me. We think that if we get things for ourselves and be more happy, God says, if you know how to walk people's feet, when you go out there and do it, there's what happiness is. Can I just encourage all of us? <clears throat> this Wednesday, I think, Pastor Nathan, you're doing uh, care for our Sunday schools. Right after our worship service morning, we have some wonderful Sunday school. This morning we start the book of Joshua. I'm excited about that. We're trying to set up uh, the leadership that's going to help our church grow healthy so that people don't drop through the cracks and people's needs are being met and we're praying for one another and all. And Pastor Nathan this Wednesday is going to have uh, <clears throat> care leaders. And each Sunday school class is going to be broken down so that they can uh, minister to folks in their class. Should it be hard 
to get people interested in caring about other people? Well, you say, well, I don't know if I can do it. Well, come Wednesday night and find out. How's that sound? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So often we think, well, this is going to take my time. This is going to take my precious life away from me. I'm going to tell you something. You gain ownership of this golden rule, and it will give you a life well satisfying. My heart is broken by the selfishness that enters into me and how I need to change. This morning we can hear this message and I might ask this question, why don't we change? What's going to make it happen to where we keep this change coming in my life? I was reading this morning in uh, Exodus chapter 32. Brother Turner, you probably know what's in Exodus chapter 32. I don't know. You know what's beyond Genesis chapter 50, don't you? It's a joke around here. Uh, he's been teaching Genesis for no joking over five years, probably seven years. And uh, they're just getting into the life of Joseph right now. But it's only he started it over at least once in our church. So that's, that, I'll give you that credit. I, I love it. I love it. I told him today, I said, man, I, I miss coming to your Sunday school class. I said, you give me the cliff notes so I can at least glean from those wonderful things that uh, you, you have there. But this morning in Exodus chapter 32, uh, it, it just caught my attention. Uh, prior to Moses going up onto the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, to receive the Ten Commandments, God had spoken and the people had heard and uh, God addressed the people and the people said this, we will do what you want us to do. We will do what God tells us to do. Within 40 days, Within 40 days, Moses was up on the mountain, and the people got a little fidgety and a little anxious, and they decided, we need to have a golden calf. We need to have something tangible to hold on to so that we can, we can worship God. And they broke the commandments that God had just given to them. And I started scratching my head, and I started thinking, why is it? That here Israel had made this hard decision. And then in verse 32, or chapter 32, excuse me, they go back. And, and by the way, when you read it, they were very sincere in their desire to worship Jehovah. He uses, they used the word Yahweh there. We want to worship Yahweh. I believe they were sincere. And yet they were sincerely wrong because they worshipped him in a way that was an abomination. God is not a golden calf. He's limitless. Amen to that. We heard about that this morning. And I and I start thinking here there's sincere. So sometimes there's the ignorance that comes along, or maybe sometimes the decision is just made in the moment because of the fear of standing before God, and people make decisions. How many have ever made a decision and gone back on it? Go ahead, raise your hand. It's all right. It's nice to nice be humble ever so often. You know, I want to ask myself, why is it that I'll make decisions and then go back? Maybe this morning God says, you know, I want this, this golden, or the, 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 uh, the, the rule of gold, or the gold of rule, whatever you want to say. I want this to be a part of my life. I want to be a champion for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Yes, I believe that we ought to be brought under conviction. We ought to see, yes, this is what God says. He says, this is so important. He says, all the law and all the prophets hangs on this. Man, that's important, isn't it? And yet, I go back into my stuff. <coughs> I start thinking of Israel, how they kept going back and kept going back and kept going back. And when God brings us under conviction, when God speaks to our hearts, we need to do something about it. Amen to that? And I was thinking, I was thinking this morning, as I, I as, uh, some of my my uh, New Year's goals and things like that, and by the way, I write them down, and I pray about those things that God would have me to do each and every day. I try to remind myself, because I have found that I have a forgetter. And I ask God to help me remind me. But like good intentions, will never make this happen. I get up in the morning and I say to myself, I am not going to eat stuff that harms me. I'm going to give up my M&M's, no chocolate, no dessert, nothing. And in the morning, I have the greatest intentions, Ernie. I get up and man, today's going to be a wonderful day. Then about seven, eight o'clock at night comes. And it's like the demons of talk come out of the <laughs> Pastor Nathan, I ask myself, why is it the demons of talk catch me? I'd be a little facetious. Though not always certain that it's that facetious. And I thought to myself, my selfishness wants to ruin that rather than love. And it does take character, doesn't it? Yeah? How many made extra? Uh, I won't ask you what your, your, your thing. Goals? What goals? <laughs> Exercise? Whatever it might be. I want to do those things. You know, we are a work in progress, aren't we? We are all a work in progress. And as I prepared for this message and I wrote down goals for this year, I realized how much God has to work and do in my life. But I'll never make those changes with good intentions. I really believe the bottom line is the law itself, which is to love God and love others. Why can't we come to that place where those are the two things that govern our lives. Love God and love others. And let that rule my heart and how I'll deal with this sweet lady right here. How I'll deal with my dear friend right here. And when a thought comes up that doesn't match that, cast down those vain imaginations. Sometimes we have to crucify the flesh. Amen to that. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed and listen well. Our time is gone, but we're going to give an invitation. By the way, I think it's good, all right to give an invitation, and it's all right to come forward and when God speaks to our hearts. And if God has spoke to your hearts this morning, which I hope that he has, brought us under conviction that there's more selfishness inside of us. Maybe we've let it rule more 
then we should have. Selfishness is ruling, not the goal. The goal of love, the goal of the Spirit, the goal of who God is living inside us. Now in this invitation, if you're not certain you're saved, you're not certain your eternal destiny is, I encourage you to come forward. One of our pastors or counselors can deal with you here up in the front. We'll take you off to a room. We'll visit with us afterwards. But if this morning God says, you know what? We need to make decisions and we need to go out there and live our lives according to what Jesus Christ has told us. Not just to hear about it, know about it, but let it really rule our hearts. Kicking Satan off our lap and making those decisions. And then asking God to help us to put some stakes down to remind us. Because tomorrow something's going to happen. Maybe someone will give an unkind word to you or that selfishness that, by the way, is going to be a constant battle throughout your whole life because you still have the flesh with you. You're a child of the king if you know Jesus. But there's a carcass that travels with you. Might God help us to be disciplined by the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. He might tell us to come alongside another person and encourage them. I'm so thankful for those that have written such sweet notes this past week to me. Encouragement. I'm so thankful being able to come to church this morning and be encouraged by the smiles on people's faces. God, help me to be led by you. By your law. The law of love. You love me. Now let me go out and love other people. If God spoke to your heart this morning, Pam's going to be playing Make me a blessing. Oh, God, make me a blessing. You come in this invitation. Let's stand together. Father, you take these decisions for your glory. You come as Pam plays. Make me a blessing.
God's people said, amen and amen. If there are other decisions to be made, I encourage you to make those decisions. I do hope that God would help us to take out and be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Only. I want that in my life. How about you? I really do. This is God's command to us as God's people. Well, we have some wonderful Sunday school classes, as I have said, and we have some other things you can look over uh, the bulletin as it goes through these slides of our announcements as the uh, classes are going to be starting in Home Builders there in Gideon's tonight. Oh, looking forward to that. And then uh, just uh, be a part of the training on Wednesday and just what God has for us on next Sunday night, our business meeting. And uh, we're going, oh, we have an anniversary too. Jim and Linda, I think I saw them someplace right there. Linda's here. Jim's not here this morning. Let's thank them for 56 years. Your longevity is a part of the golden rule. As you loved each other, it's an example to all of us to continue on through thick and thin sometimes. I've really enjoyed reading your daughter's book. Uh, I just finished it this week. It is a marvelous book. Well, I tell you what, if you want a copy of it, just see Linda on that, and she can uh, tell you what it is and order it on, uh, on Amazon. It's called uh, No Less Than Yes. Doesn't that sound intriguing? It was. Oh, I can't couldn't put it down. Riveting book. Riveting book. Well, let's sing as we close our uh, service. God, make me a blessing. We have that up there. We'll be able to sing. Finding it, he's finding it, he's finding it, he's finding it, he's not finding it. Let's just sing the chorus. How's that? We'll sing the chorus. And uh, Brother Ernie, you know the chorus. How does it start? Make me a blessing. That sounds good, doesn't it? Make me a blessing.